thing to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Remember, you can always listen online at our website, DePietro.com. Folks, visit the website. On the website, you'll see all our links to social media, whether it's Facebook or YouTube, Instagram, even TikTok. Plus, you if you want to reach me, that's the best way to do it. We have unique original stories videos content log on right at the website dipetro.com this portion of our program is brought by the lodge pub and eatery 40 breakneck hill road in lincoln right off of 146 delicious food and drink always a nice crowd you can either eat in the lounge area there's normally a game on and a nice group of people there or you could sit out in the dining room don't forget the nice weather they have the deck open the lodge pub and eatery 40 breakneck hill road in lincoln delicious food and drinks awaiting for you i'll see you at the lodge you're listening to the john DePietro show am 1380 99.9 fm folks you can always listen online at our website petro.com well happy new year one and all it is monday that is exactly right 2023 2023 today is monday january 2nd i hope everyone had a happy and safe new year now today is also a holiday and like many of you i'm observing the holiday so that means you get to enjoy some of our best ofs that we have so we'll be back in action tomorrow on Tuesday. In the meantime, though, we have some new material, some things that maybe you did not hear. And then, of course, uh, check out the website, dpetro.com. So, folks, again, Happy New Year. It's Monday, January 2nd, 2023, right here on the John DePetro Show. Folks, joining us right now from the Boston Globe is columnist Dan McGowan. And Dan McGowan, Mayor-elect Brett Smiley, soon uh, monday actually uh monday or tuesday set to take office and already major changes underway in the city of providence yeah john uh this is uh i think now becomes probably the biggest uh news story that the at least initial news story that the smiley administration is going to face because when you have uh, the public safety commissioner, Stephen Perry, retiring. You have Chief Clements, who was offered a job to stay, but is, is moving on to a different opportunity. Uh, you now have, you know, the major jobs in public safety um, open. And I think it creates, you know, a little bit of a vacuum. Obviously, you, you do want that leadership at the top. Remember, Chief Clements has been there now 11 years. He's been you know, wildly stable in that department, even in pretty unstable times when it comes to law enforcement. Um, and now, you know, all the same questions that always, co- you know, come when there's going to be a change in police leadership uh, come up for Brett Smiley. Does he search for an outside choice that that always, uh, you know, kind of. Uh, makes the the rank and file guys uh, pretty upset. Does he go within? Does that create you know uh, kind of rivalries within the department? Certainly in the higher ups and you know in, in the administration or in the leadership there. Uh, so there's a lot going on, and I think you know as much as Brett Smiley kind of came in saying I'm going to get back to basics, I'm going to try to be the you know quality of life mayor. Now his number one priority has to be figuring out how to uh, make sure that police department kind of remains pretty stable what is your uh instinct dan mcgowan what do you what do you, do you think does he go outside the fact that Clements is staying on to help kind of seemingly with i i think influence maybe with the choice and transition uh do you think someone gets promoted from within or do you think they go outside? My gut tells me it'll be within. Um, yeah. And I think it's be, I think it's in some ways a testament to the leadership that chief Clemens had, right? You've had, you've had a department uh, and we've had to shake up recently. You had Tom Verde, the number two uh, retire yeah. recently. So you have a lot of leadership change there, but generally speaking, you've had, um, you know, pretty stable leadership there for a long time. Uh, I think Brett Smiley knows that, uh, you know, there's a there's a level of uh, disruption that happens when you go outside. And sometimes it's necessary. Look, 
you know, for for whatever people thought of Dean Esserman when David Cicilline came in, yeah, it was it was needed to go outside. The question: Did he, did he overstay his welcome? Was he the right choice? You know, different debate. But there's no question that the police department needed to kind of move on from the shadow, you know, of the former mayor and all that kind of stuff. Um, this is different, right? This is not a, a police department that's considered corrupt. In fact, it's pretty high performing. Uh, you know, you're having a good knock on wood, good year on, on you know, uh, violent crime and things like that. And so my guess is that Brett Smiley isn't going to want to disrupt things so much uh, and, and go with the outside. But, you know, I mean, look, even when they search, uh, even when they decide to, to uh, promote internally, they still do at least some, you know, broadened search. So who knows? Maybe there's somebody around the state that has been, you know, in the Providence Police Department before right. and would want to come back. Those kind of things are all possible. Now, let's also turn to the fire department. I, I thought Derek Silva was still running uh, the union. This is uh, big. They haven't had a fire chief in Providence in quite some time. Yeah, and there's a debate. I mean, John, you and I, I think, probably can look at this as people who have covered uh, the fire department for a long time. Yeah. You know what? They didn't really need one for the last seven or eight years. Right. It wasn't, it wasn't the most urgent thing in the entire world. But I, I look, I get for the firefighters why they wanted to do this. Uh, Derek Silva, what you're right, was the union president for several years. He replaced Paul Dowdy, of course, but he very quietly was made the acting chief or the, oh. the, the I think it was like the number two job. Um, I believe over the summer or maybe last spring by Mara Lorza. That was significant because remember Derek Silva was, he was the number two in the union yeah. for a while when they had their big fight with um, Mara Lorza, uh, with Mara Lorza back up for the platoons and the shifts and all that stuff. Uh, one of the things that happened over the years, look, Derek Silva came in, got a very favorable contract for uh, his, his members, for the firefighters. And I think what Derek Silva tried to do, in, especially during the election, was uh, it was fairly clear that he uh, and, you know, his sort of personal friends were they were tied to the Smiley campaign. The union actually endorsed uh, Gonzalo Cuervo for mayor. And so uh, it, I, the, when I saw that he was separating from the union just a couple of months ago, I kind of thought, oh, maybe he'll be the next fire chief. And sure enough, that's where uh, that's where he's going to land. Yeah. And he's a uh, that's a power couple because his wife is wildly impressive. Yeah. Arianne Carenti. She's uh, she's the chief of staff at the Rhode Island Foundation. She was a top person in the Tavares administration many years ago. Um, and is yeah, it is somebody who. Uh, she's somebody who I think, you know, would be on the short list of people you call when there's a big decision to be made yeah. uh, in the state of Rhode Island. Yeah, no, that I think that that really helps him. And let's face it, as now fire chief, you know, they're going to be out and about at certain things. And um, she definitely, you know, can handle herself in any type of situation. I had some dealings with her during the Tavares administration. Dan McGowan, what does it tell us that Stephen Perry is basically out? Uh, next week and what I mean by that is what does it tell you about the the smiley incoming smiley administration well I'll tell you one thing that that is a a growing criticism that I'm getting from about people about the smiley administration you know before he even takes office is the way they've handled transition has been uh inartful at best mm. uh you know they're they're making calls to longtime city employees and not even in, not even looking them in the face, making phone calls to say, hey, you're not going to be here anymore. Um, that that wasn't the case with with Stephen Perry. I think Commissioner Perry uh, knew during the campaign that the writing was on the wall. You know, remember, the police department didn't have a lot of controversy. So the question that all the mayoral candidates kept getting asked was, will you have a public safety commissioner? And yep. you know, there was a real debate over whether or not it was necessary there's always the conversation about what, you know, what that person should be. Should they be, you know, a former law enforcement person? Should they be kind of a community person? Um, and look, there, there was uh, certainly it was it was very clear on the city council. There was real frustration with Commissioner Perry. Commissioner Perry's job essentially was to protect the mayor, right? He he had to come in and and right. deal with the council when they were mad at him and deal with the, you know, both the police and fire union members when they were mad at him. So that is a really hard job. And I think there was a little bit of almost, it just, he, he was too hot, right? He was too toxic in some ways. And I, 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 
I, I use the word toxic. I just mean that reputationally. Right. I mean, look, Commissioner Perry's a good guy. And he, and is. he did his job. You know, he did exactly what he was supposed to do. Yes. But again, you know, you, when you're when you have a new administration coming in, Brett kind of had made that promise, even though he did. He wasn't saying it very publicly. Yeah, that, that that's a tough job. He's a good guy. I knew him as head of the state police in. But it also tells me that that Smiley's listening to the rank and file because he is certainly not yes. popular within the <laughs> police department. And then he he was the acting chief, and many times, if anything, the police felt he was siding more with the firefighters than. Well, than, remember, than... remember back in twenty twenty when they had the the you know the riots, and then right afterwards, yeah. there, famously, the firefighter went on tel- live television and made an yep. accusation against the police, and Commissioner Perry and the mayor you know, very quickly sided with the fire department. So they had kind of good reason. The other thing that, that people, um, you know, you, there's always what's happening in public and then what happens behind the scenes. And, you know, if you remember back in the fire department, when, when the mayor was having his big fight with the firefighters, you know, the truth was the rank and file firefighters, they decided to make the mayor and the commissioner kind of their, you know, uh, public enemies, number one and number right. two. The truth was, though, behind the scenes, the union president, Paul Dowdy, the number yep. two, Derek Silva, they have always had a very strong relationship with Commissioner Perry. So even as things were very ugly publicly, you know, Commissioner Perry was the one that they actually listened to, that actually listened to them in a lot of ways. So they always kind of kept a strong relationship. So I think that does speak to, you know, the police guys definitely felt like, the commissioner sort of favored the fire department um, over the last eight years. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Dan McGowan, Boston Globe, right here on the John DePietro Show. For over 125 years, Ameriprise Financial has provided advice for clients' unique goals, help millions of Americans retire on their terms. Now, as we're at the end of the year, beginning of a new year, why not take advantage of our free consultation? Call Tom Bryan today, Ameriprise Financial, 401-434-1510. Offices located 400 Massasoit Avenue in East Providence. Put the strength of a leader in retirement planning to work for, for you through a personal one-on-one relationship. Call Tom Bryan today, Ameriprise Financial Advisors, 401 434 1510. Get solid advice. Get a plan, whether it's for yourself, you and a spouse, maybe your children or grandchildren. Take advantage of this free consultation, Ameriprise Financial, 401-434-1510. Call right now, 401-434-1510. Tom Bryan, Ameriprise Financial Advisors. You're listening to the John DePietro Show, AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Folks, you can always listen online at our website, dipietro.com. Well, Happy New Year, one and all. It is Monday. That is exactly right. 2023. 2023. Today is Monday, January 2nd. I hope everyone had a happy and safe New Year. Now, today is also a holiday. And like many of you, I'm observing the holiday. So that means you get to enjoy some of our best ofs that we have. So we'll be back in action tomorrow on Tuesday. In the meantime, though, we have some new material, some things that maybe you did not hear. And then, of course, uh, check out the website, dpetro.com. So, folks, again, Happy New Year. It's Monday, January 2nd, 2023, right here on the John DePetro Show. We're speaking with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. Dan, you wrote, that was uh, quite an interesting piece on what is now Providence's first couple. Uh, I even like the fact that they, you know, spoke with the Ramundos. Andy Moffat offered uh, some advice. I love the line that Rahm Emanuel said to Smiley when he was running the campaign. But, boy, in a very, uh, in, in the blink of an eye, they are about to be, they will be Providence. They will be. That's right. And, and this is, you know, on one hand, it's, it's always, I think, as Brett Smiley said to me, as I wrote in the column, you know, he, he always he still understands that it is somewhat provocative to introduce your husband when you're a gay man and, and things like that. But more uh, aside from the same sex marriage aspect here, 
Um, this is just two guys that are in a di- at different points in their lives compared yeah. to, you know, the last several marriages. If you think about it, you know, Mary Lourdes' wife, they had a kid pretty early. Yeah. You know, she, she went and got, you know, she was getting her law degree. No, no criticism. She just wasn't a front-facing mayor. Mayor Tavares' wife was not at all front-facing. She was never around. Uh, David Cicilline was a bachelor. Buddy Sancy, the second time was was uh, you know was unmarried because he was divorced. Uh, Joe Palina was a young mayor when he got in. So this is the first time that a mayor will uh, will be, will come into office married since the first buddy since '74. Wow. So that is significant in its own right. And then you got to factor in that Jim Durantis, Smiley's husband, is the biggest real estate guy around. Yeah. Uh, they are, you know, they are a real power couple and they have yep. the ability now from both ends, you know, whereas you always hear the, the term, right? You go to the uh, the opening of an envelope, which is always the thing that Cicilline did, the thing that Cianci certainly did. Now, because you have kind of two well-known sort of power brokers as a couple in this, in this city, I do think you're going to see uh, Jim Durantis get involved a lot more. He'll have a voice when it comes to policy, but he'll also be able to, you know, uh, just meet with people and, and encourage them to get involved, things like that. And, and that sounds kind of hokey, but it, it, you know, he has the ear of the elites in this city uh, and in, and across this state. I think that Brett Smiley and Jim Durantis are going to be not just the most powerful couple in Providence, but quite frankly, I think they're the people that if you're coming in from out of state, you're going to want to meet with them um, yes. more so, quite frankly, than the governor. Yeah. And they're, they're so different. Um, it's interesting how I, I mean, I remember that Providence police were uncomfortable when Cicilline was the first openly gay mayor. Fast forward. It, it doesn't, I mean, during the course of the campaign and so forth, that, it doesn't even come up anymore. I mean, Not it just doesn't, close. right? I mean, and as far as, as Smiley, and what's also, you're exactly right. Uh, first of all, I think it's good for the city. Um, he's, they're very east side. They understand yes. that. And they're, they're more, uh, the, the whole economic development, I like in Roadmap, you list that there's some, several key openings. That That is an area that's that's been neglected for a while. And, and that's where, I, I think Smiley smartly recognizes there's, there's room for a lot of growth there. Room for a lot of growth. You have the ability, if you're a big, you know, if you're a big company that wants to come, you know, meet with the, the mayor of Providence, which is not uncommon for any big city that that would, that would happen. You now also just kind of in your back pocket, you can say, Hey, my husband will get you a great deal on a house. Right. Sure. And, and that's not illegal. There's nothing sketchy about it. It just no. happens to be true. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think that plays a major, major role in it. Uh, and, and yeah, I mean, look, Mayor Lorza, uh, I think he deferred to Gina Raimondo on all things, economic development um, to, I think, uh, I, I, I think it was a problem for the city. I think that's going to change a whole lot with, with this mayor. And so I think that's a big deal. I'll go back to your other point, you know, going back to the, you know, being uncomfortable with uh, Mayor Cicilline being gay and now this not even being a factor. I actually said this, it didn't quite make the cut of, of my column, but when we were talking, we were sitting down last week and I, and I said to them, you know, it is, it is strange. You know, it used to be that just being gay meant you were the most progressive person, you know, in the entire world. And, 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 you know, Brett Smiley said, look, you know, that those days have changed. He, he got criticized throughout the campaign for being too conservative. Yes. Uh, right. He was considered the, you know, the status quo in some ways. And um, and, you know, he, he, he rightly said, like, he, there's still uh, there's still discrimination out there. It just doesn't happen to be, you know, for, you know, a gay married couple. It's more going to be the trans community, things like that. And so, you know, he recognizes the role that he that he can still play. But it is not the most, you know, you're, the, the number one thing to know about Brett Smiley is not that he's gay. Whereas I think with Cicilline, at least initially, that was the only thing people talked about. Yeah, it, it, it absolutely was. And, and, um, and I think also with Smiley, he's, you know, he's got that direct pipeline to Raimondo. So I'm sure he, he seems that he can juggle the relationship with Governor McKee, which will be challenging. And he's got the problems with the schools. But um I, I, and you're right. I mean, they're moving pretty fast. That's the one thing they maybe need to slow down a little bit. But uh, but I think it, it, there's a lot of room for the city for, for him to grow. Now, Dan McGowan, also in the Globe, 
Uh, some people may not recognize, but that's a big opening that's opening with Department of Corrections that Governor McKee's going to have to fill. Yeah, I mean, the top job at the Corrections Department, remember, you want to, you know, you always, whenever we talk about the, the unions, right, there's, there's a handful of them that are really influential, and they, they some of them have different strategies, but we, we hear a lot from the Providence police and the Providence firefighters and the Providence teachers because they all tend to be very loud and vocal. You know, the Correctional Officers Union, very similar in that way. They're yes. not afraid to, no. to take swings. Uh, and so now you have an opening at the top of that, you know, uh, of corrections. Uh, this is a challenge for Governor McKee. It's, it, yeah. you, you know, he already has all those jobs in the human services and health department that are all, you know, vacant or acting. Now you've got that job that's that's really important. And, you know, he's got to make the right choice because you want to be on the side of the unions. So I believe endorsed, him, you know, did endorse him for, uh, well, no, actually, the, the correctional officers, I think they actually endorsed uh, Ashley Kalis. Uh, and so, you know, he's got a challenge there to figure this out. And, and I think uh, that is that's a significant opening, one that people don't really necessarily always pay attention to. No, but he's going to get the overtime under control because that is just. Oh, my God. So, exactly. uh, yes. Whack yeah. and ridiculous. Dan McGowan, are you surprised Governor McKee is uh, I mean, there's there's a low profile and then there's a no profile. I mean, he is. uh I mean, as we see in the Globe, you know, you guys had the big sit down with the Senate president and then the speaker. Someone mentioned to me at the, the state house, like uh, they're wondering if this is a precursor to the, what the first year is going to be, which is, you know, he's really been off the radar. Uh, well, I, I'll tell you, my it's the homeless thing. I'll tell you, by comparison, when uh, when Gina Raimondo was in office and, you know, obviously she had a tense relationship with Speaker Mattiello at the time, but. When Speaker Mattiello was doing his annual, you know, let me sit down with the press, everyone in the governor's office was glued to it because they wanted to know, you know, how they could contradict whatever he said or yep. how they could one up him. <laughs> right. Because that's the way these administrations work. By contrast, you're not hearing I'm not hearing a peep from the governor's office. And really, I mean, since winning the election, this yep. governor obviously went on vacation. He's entitled to do that. But. He has not had a single positive news cycle no. since winning the election. So he wins the election by 20 plus points. And he and he has in many ways been very quiet. Now, the administration says, look, we're you know, we're preparing our budget. We're preparing inauguration. But, you know, you when you go almost two months without really, you know, paying it, you know, getting any attention paid to you at all, you better come out of the gate in January hot. Uh, because you're right. I think that I think you've got a House and a Senate that understand. But by the way, two as we talked about last week, you know, two leadership teams, House and Senate, that are uh, very comfortable in their own skin, that have oh, yeah. their own agendas and are ready to go. And I think you have a governor who who hasn't quite um, managed to capitalize just yet on his big win. Uh, we'll see how it we'll see how it comes. He's got to fill those jobs that we talked about. Uh, you know, you want to see a vision that is this inauguration speech is going to be really interesting because yep. remember a couple weeks after that, he's also got the budget on his hands. But the inauguration speech is the one that you get to tease your agenda. And it can't just be go to my website and read a plan. Right. Because people yeah. don't do that. Nobody does that. Uh, <laughs> and, and that's kind of how he campaigned. It was just go to my website. And and he won. It was successful. But I don't think you can do that for four years. No. And I also noticed that uh, they would normally used to just put out no public events. And then I think I could be wrong, but I think it was your former colleague, Ted Nisi, that kind of mentioned on Twitter, like, wow, no, more no public events. So they've changed it now to the governor's actively working behind the scenes exactly. the on his budget, as opposed to just no public events. Folks, you hear me mention um, roadmap. And, uh, in, and again, the globe is filled with stories also some kind of year in review it was quite quite the year uh in a huge year obviously for oh one more thing Tim McGowan I'm curious your thoughts on uh, you guys what a piece on it it is sad to read but just the there's no other way to describe it the destruction of the Providence Journal yeah and we you know we kind of in some ways farmed this out to our you know to our team in Boston in, in many yeah. ways because we don't. We have no desire, as the you know, the Globe Rhode Island Bureau, to right. you know, to spit on the grave of uh, of any news outlet in this state. We understand the value of the Providence Journal, all of those things. Many of my colleagues worked there, right? So, 
uh, no question there's lots of love from us to them, but it is a it is an important news story in the city in the in the state of Rhode Island that your you know one time really powerful drive the news kind yeah. of uh, you know newspaper um, ha- has really really dwindled now to the point that the editor of the paper you know la- was pushed out was laid off and it was barely a news story you know I broke the yeah. news that he was that he was out there That's but it right. wasn't even that that used to be a story when the news when the editor of the Providence Journal. Yeah. was leaving that was in the a block of the television news Absolutely. for a long time yeah um and you know i think you obviously newspapers have really struggled the globe has been you know a rare exception we happen to be owned by a you know by, by a singular owner the henry john henry um who's very wealthy and you know we've been very fortunate but uh it, it is it's it's really really sad and i think you know to the credit of this market uh i i still think you've got you know, you've got Channel 12 that's very strong, my former colleagues. Yes. Channel 10's very good. You've got a bunch of radio stations. You know, you're out there every night. I don't know how do you keep, how you sleep. <laughs> um, and so I, I still feel like a lot of the, you know, the majority of the news gets covered. But there yes. is something to be said about, yeah. you know, about about a very thin kind of paper of record. And it's unfortunate. So we, we, did, we had a big, long story on that. Uh, I believe it ran on Christmas Day, in fact. Yeah, it was very fair, by the way. And it's just, it is sad to read. I mean, I was a cover-to-cover journal reader. Growing up, we used to get the, you know, the paper in the morning, the province journal, then the evening bulletin and so forth. So we were, you know, like a lot of people, two papers a day. But it is uh, is just a shell of what it was. But, folks, the good news is the Boston Globe continues uh, in making strides. This was a big year for the Rhode Island team that continues to just lead it's it's almost like the chicago bulls as far as the all-star i like the format that it's going i really like you and fitzpatrick teaming up on these interviews now without uh spilling the beans on anything before i let you go are we going to see the two of you sit down with governor mckee or is that still in the works we're trying we're trying because <laughs> by the way to your point when the president of the senate and the and the speakers sat down with us our next question was hey governor usually you would sit down with us too and and they said, oh, we just haven't got around to scheduling it yet. So we'll see. Mm. Stay tuned, I would say, John. <laughs> yeah. Folks, um, now, again, you hear me mention, I do start the day, Monday through Friday, with Roadmap. It arrives in your inbox. It is, here's what you need to know. Here's the links, whether it be stories in the globe, like everything, the total disaster with with uh, what's going on with Southwest or the Patriots or whatever it may be. And Dan McGowan, as a year-end bonus, if you'd be so kind to extend it to anyone that's listening. Yeah, very simple, very free. Send me a blank email to rinews at globe.com, rinews at globe.com. I'll sign you up. Uh, We're going to take Monday off for the holiday, but uh, you'll start getting it every single weekday. You'll start getting it tomorrow, but it won't be in your inbox uh, Monday. And uh, like I said, rinews at globe.com. We'll sign you right up. Folks, he is Dan McGowan. Dan, excellent job. Happy New Year, and we'll talk to you in 23. Happy New Year. Talk to you next week, John. Thanks. Get the most of your outdoor space with Limitless Outdoors. Call today for a free quote, 401-580-1852. Limitless Outdoors. They specialize in patios, walkways steps they did a fantastic job on my outside steps outdoor kitchens landscape lighting retaining walls lawn installations excavation call limitless outdoors today let's dream build and enjoy 401-580-1852 based in smithfield limitless outdoors they also do indoor fireplaces or outdoor fireplaces limitless outdoors call them today free quote get the most of your outside you're gonna love what they can do for you 401-580-1852 401-580-1852 limitless outdoors dream build enjoy Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Joining us right now, author of The Bodies of Others, New Authoritarians, COVID-19, The War Against Humans, is the one and only Naomi Wolf. Naomi, it's the John DePietro Show. Congratulations on your new book. 
Thank you so much, and thank you for having me. Walk us through a little bit the bodies of others and the new new authoritarians. Absolutely. So the basic premise of the book is that, unfortunately, uh, the pandemic of the last two years was a pretext for a handful of bad actors, ranging from bad nonprofits like the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation to bad transnational entities like the World Economic Forum, which is recently in the news uh, with a power grab against everyone basically in the world, Um, bad tyrannical nations like the CCP, like China, and and big tech companies specifically um, to basically make war against the West, to make war against America in particular. Um, We are a special target to make war against American values and culture and kind of emotional reactions and specifically to target our children um, to kind of change our world so that it would be a post-humane world in which uh, we basically have to ask permission of technology and our overlords in order to just do human things and have basic human communication and connection Um, and that they did it for profit Um, and that, you know, basically they exploited policies which really turned out to have made no sense medically like distancing which didn't do anything or closing everything down you know the data are in that states that closed down like florida did exactly the same as states i'm sorry other way around states that were wide open like florida did the same as states that closed down like new york countries that closed down did the same as countries that stayed open like sweden um, you know, data are in that masks barely make a difference except to lower our kids' IQ by 21 points, according to a Brown University study. Um, and so, all, but, you know, all of these policies that don't make sense medically and people are scratching their heads saying, I don't get it, you know, masks don't work, I don't get it, distancing doesn't work, uh, nothing's, <laughs> nothing's working. Um, they all really do make sense if you look at the goals of tech companies and the profits that they made in the last two years and basically i'm a ceo of a tech company so i do understand this um tech companies are really jealous of human capabilities they can't compete with them uh an emoji can't compete with a smile you know um nothing you can do on digital platforms is as impactful as getting together with 300 of your neighbors in a town hall or worshiping together in a church or synagogue or in-person learning of your child in a classroom with other human children and a human teacher. So with lockdown policies, they were able to really kill off that competitive advantage that human beings have in human communication, human culture, human spaces, and shift um, all that activity with all of that profit onto digital platforms. And I show um, the reader and the bodies of others how uh, these companies' net revenue went up by, you know, 20 to 40% over the last two years as a result of suppressing human beings. Folks, again, we're speaking with author Naomi Wolf. Naomi, now the front, the cover of the book is, it's it's very uh, provocative. It's very compelling uh, when people see it, it's it's a child. It's a child with a mask on, and the hand. It's it's almost as if the um, the the child. It, it's kind of like uh, it looks like the child's in a prison. Uh, could you just touch on that? That's by, you know, that that's a very thought provoking cover, and I think it's by design. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and thank you. I think, uh, I think the cover says it all. Um, it's really, I think, iconic of what we've been through in the last two years, and, and, you know, they're not letting up. I mean, I just heard in one of my earlier radio segments today that masks are going back on the poor children of San Diego, and toddlers in New York City, where I used to live, um, are, are being subjected to masking, and their, their, their moms and dads are distraught, but nothing they... Are doing or saying is making a difference um it is prison and you know look at look at the, the logical extension of this look at shanghai you know the students are rioting at great risk to their lives and their families um because they've been imprisoned in their dorm rooms um and not allowed to go home not allowed to to circulate uh you know shanghai the the people of shanghai were locked in you know not allowed to leave you know their, their homes were turned into prisons in australia which you know two years ago was a free robust democracy um 
there are quarantine camps where they run after you with armed guards if you try to escape. Uh, in New York State, where I live, and in Washington State, there are regulations. We narrowly defeated the one in Washington State. But Governor Hochul is coming at us in New York State with the same regulation to create quarantine camps where you can be held indefinitely pending a you know, court appeal um, if you've been quote, exposed to a blood-borne pathogen. God knows what they have planned there with such specific wording, um, but detained indefinitely. And people, and our whole nation has become a prison and people just are not aware of it yet. Governor, I'm sorry, uh, President Biden extended emergency powers in April of 2022, uh, in, but this time in an open-ended way with no terminus date. And so what that means is that and then he, he flowed billions of dollars without going through Congress to health and human services. Um, the methodology here and around the world is to weaponize public health, to use public health to, you know, send in shock troops, basically, and to, and, and to protect tyrants. Um, but that's happened at the federal level, and that means we're really not living under a democracy right now. And the same thing is true in, in New York State. You know, our governor re-ups emergency law every 30 days, uh, and, uh, and, and there are 28 states across the country where people are living under emergency law. And that means that if they want to send, you know, their public health mercenaries and declare, you know, an immediate public health crisis, they can do things that ordinary civil society and the Constitution do not allow them to do. And we're seeing this battle right now in the United States that, you know, lawyers are saying to courts, well, the Biden administration doesn't have the constitutional right to mask you on public transportation. And those lawyers won. You know, there are lawsuits saying, well, the you know, government doesn't have the right to inject our military against their will with an experimental mRNA injection, gene therapy. Um, and, you know, those fights are underway. Um, but this is this is a war being waged against us. And and even when you take a step back and you follow the argument I make in the bodies of others, even when technically we're not being soldered into our homes like the citizens of china um when you forbid a shop owner from opening his shop when you restrict people's assembly the way our assembly was restricted in lockdown i mean in new york state it was we were told we'd be fined if we had a you know a potluck of neighbors more than six people in our homes um or or if we gathered to worship of more than six people right um you know, these restrictions keep six feet apart. You know, don't let your child take his mask off or her mask off to breathe or to speak. This is carrying prison around with us. Yes. This is a conditioning of us to accept a feudal state in which we really are serfs and we really are at the mercy of whatever they will do to us next. Folks, again, it's a very compelling book. And the author, a uh, very, very provocative uh, esteemed Naomi Wolf, The Bodies of Others. Naomi, before I let you go, just one more thing. What, what's so disturbing is the irreparable damage done to children. During COVID, it continues. Obviously, you know, that, that child on the cover, it, it also just jumps out at me at what we're witnessing in Texas. Children are growing up in a much different world. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Um, I mean, I'm not I'm not sure. Do you mean by Texas that they're exposed to? Oh, I meant I meant when I look at that, I think of the children in the shooting that were then, you know, it. I think one of the most dramatic parts of that is the, the young child, nine years old, with, with the wherewithal to keep calling 911 as God. as the adults were standing outside in the hallway and not not doing anything. It was um, it was more than a 911 call. It was it was a plea for help for all children. And, yeah. and the adults, you know, the adults let them down. Naomi, congratulations. Good luck on your book tour. Excellent. Thanks so much. I appreciate you. Thank you. All right, folks. And again, that is Naomi Wolf right here on the John DePietro Show. It's getting cold already this winter. Keep your family, your employees warm with Matthews Oil Company. Call them today, 401-942-7500. Matthews Oil Company. 24-hour emergency service for over four generations they make it easy to keep your home comfortable and safe trusted oil delivery call matthews oil company today 401-942-7500 you can find them online matthewsoil.com matthews oil premier dealer rhode island delivering the highest quality heating fuels at matthews oil 
They take pride providing reliable, affordable service for you and your family. Celebrating 90 years of service. Call them now. It's going to be a cold winter. Get that tank filled. Call Matthews Oil Company today. 401-942-7500. In an emergency, they offer 24-hour emergency service. Matthews Oil Company. 401-942-7500. 24-hour emergency service. Right, Jim? Yes. And for right now, it is expensive for people. You'll work out payment plans for individuals with oil. Yes, we have budget plans. We have. Uh, we also take state. Uh, we take state heating assistance. We belong to every city and towns uh, community action groups. We've participated with that for twenty years. We're actually thirty or forty now, since the eighties. It's not solar, but you can help people save money on their electricity. Yes. Uh, If they're a commercial customer and they're with the grid, uh, local utility, we can also uh, provide them with electricity and also commercial natural gas for uh, right to their business. The Cohesit Inn, 226 Cohesit Avenue in West Warwick, Rhode Island tradition since 1977. Delicious food, great atmosphere, whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge. They can also accommodate large groups. A great meal, a feast is waiting for you at the Cohesit Inn. Stop it and see them all year round. 226 Cohesit Avenue in West Warwick. They're waiting for you at the Cohesit Inn. You're listening to the John DePietro Show, AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Folks, you can always listen online at our website, dePietro.com. Well, Happy New Year, one and all. It is Monday. That is exactly right. 2023. 2023. Today is Monday, January 2nd. I hope everyone had a happy and safe New Year. Now, today is also a holiday. And like many of you, I'm observing the holiday. So that means you get to enjoy some of our best ofs that we have. So we'll be back in action tomorrow on Tuesday. In the meantime, though, we have some new material, some things that maybe you did not hear. And then, of course, uh, check out the website, dpetro.com. So, folks, again, Happy New Year. It's Monday, January 2nd, 2023, right here on the John DePetro Show. We're speaking with our legal expert and uh, its attorney, Tim Dodd. Tim, when President Trump, and I, I hate to get into some of this stuff, but when he was president and he said, well, hold on, we, you know, he was the first one way out of the box. We have to limit, actually banned people coming in from China. Huge uproar. That's racist. You can't do that. Well, COVID is once again raising its ugly head. And uh, I'm just wondering the legal aspect that they're saying that now they want to screen people coming here from China. Well, clearly they can do it. There's a CDC recommendation that anyone coming from China, um, Hong Kong, Macau, and I think a few other places in the Far East come here, um, require uh, COVID screenings different than, you know, generally folks who are trying to come to this country from overseas. So I I remember vividly when President Trump enacted the, the China policy um, candidate Biden was saying Trump's xenophobic, you know, yep. he's uh, racist. Um, now, in, when you're in charge and running the government, it's different when you're throwing rocks from the sidelines as a candidate. So now President Biden's doing something very, very similar to what President Trump did. And although the media was more than happy to pick up the hue and cry of xenophobia when Trump did it, they're not going to say a word now that uh, President Biden is doing it guaranteed. You probably won't even read much about any pushback against this policy. It's totally legal to do. Yep. Um, I, I think that um, as when President Trump did it, there was validity to doing the policy. And he did it when we were really in uncharted waters. He was right. We didn't know 
how to handle COVID. Now we kind of know. Um, Trump had a real emergency on his hands. He had this invading um, virus, if you will, and no one knew quite what to do with it. And it was all coming from largely China, uh, right. clearly from China. Um, I don't disagree with what President Biden is doing. It's legal. It's appropriate. It's for um, to prevent this country from getting another um, infestation, if you will, from China and neighboring um, areas and protectorates to keep us from having that contribute to another potential spike over the winter months. I, I think it makes sense, but it's this kind of um, humorously ironic that the shoe is now on the other foot. Do you think the airlines in any way would be in a position to challenge it? Um, anyone can challenge anything, but sure. I don't think they'd get anywhere. I think that it's a policy that um, could be challenged, won't be challenged, and I don't think you'll find a judge who would um, uh, take up the challenge and right now rule against this administration. I guess you could go find one, but it would be difficult. Folks, we're speaking with our legal analyst, it's attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, this next story, it's, uh, it's sad. Uh, very disturbing. It's even a connection to Dennis Eckersley. I think this was his adopted daughter, but this woman facing charges after giving birth to a, a a newborn in the woods in New Hampshire and then left the child in a tent. Again, is as much as this is obviously sad, and I believe there's uh, you know drug drugs involved in some kind of uh, addiction, substance abuse problem. What what this young Eckersley woman was doing is is not only you know pretty difficult but it's it's also against the law well it's 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 a it's a very sad and disturbing situation from any number of angles i mean dennis eckersley or the eckersley family has come out saying that you know she's our adopted daughter she has had mental problems since the age of two um she's been institutionalized at times she's got drug problems Uh. Um, so, you know, she's unfortunately in a, in a very bad way. Now, apparently she had criminal charges in um, New Hampshire for which she was given bail. And I believe that was a totally different child endangerment situation. Fast forward, now she gives birth to this baby on Christmas night in a tent in the woods, unheated. Um after giving birth, leaves this newborn with no blankets, no nothing, and leaves. Ultimately, I guess, finds civilization, goes to the cops, gives them incorrect information. Cops have a hell of a time finding this newborn. They find the baby cold and hardly breathing. They, they revive it. Um, I guess the baby will be okay, thank God. But she's being charged with child neglect, um, child endangerment, um, other charges of providing false information, um, obstruction, any number of charges. And there's a push to have her held because she's a bail violator. She yeah. was on bail and now she's done something even more outrageous. Now, I'm sure she has mental problems. The family acknowledges it. But um, it's certainly prosecutable. Will her mental um, or emotional issues, to the extent that they are valid, uh, mitigate what punishment she gets from the criminal justice system? This is also, these cases show up from time to time yep. where she says, I didn't realize I was pregnant. Mm. And then she's in this tent, which is, doesn't make any sense that you'd be in a tent in the woods when it's 18 degrees out. Right. But her claim is, I didn't know I was pregnant. I thought I needed to go to the bathroom, and lo and behold, I delivered a child. There used to be a television show on one of the cable stations about people who didn't know they were pregnant, and suddenly, boom, you know, they're in labor having a baby. Um, is her story um, verifiable? Does it make sense? Um, what's, what has been going on with her for the last nine months? Um, there is a defense to some of this stuff if you don't know you're pregnant but apparently she knew that she gave birth to a child because she so reported to the cops 
it's it's just very convoluted. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure she will get some sort of criminal punishment here, but um, as we've seen in today's day and age, you know, the court takes great pity on people with pre-existing mental and emotional problems. Right. I don't know what becomes of the baby. I'm sure she'll be in foster care or be placed with the grandparents if they're up for it. But it's it's a very, very, very troubled young lady. And uh, although she'll be in the criminal justice system, I guess it's fortunate that the baby didn't pass away out there in the cold. I guess it, she, the baby came darn close to doing so. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Our legal expert, attorney Tim Dodd, right here on the John DePietro Show. We're speaking with our legal expert, it's attorney Tim Dodd. Tim, this next story, it's, it's unusual, and it appears in the New York Times. And the owner of Madison Square Garden that also owns MSG Broadcast. Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401 401- 885-4209 in Massachusetts. You can reach them at 508-252-3359. Propane heating and cooling. It's Propane Plus. Their team's been there three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they plan on serving you for a long time to come. They offer online billing, ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button, and remember, all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment it's Propane Plus, and remember with propane, it's affordable, sustainable, equitable, good for the environment, and now it's renewable. Call Propane Plus today at 401-885-4209. In Massachusetts, call them at 508-252-3359. They're very easy to navigate website. It's propaneplus.com. Propane Plus. Call them 401-885-4209. John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, DePietro.com. Remember, weekdays, 11 to 2. But visit the website, DePietro.com. That's the best way to reach me. There's a direct link. Contact John. We also have all our sponsors right there. We have unique, original reporting, stories, videos. Also, all our links to social media, whether it's Facebook, when we do Facebook Live, or YouTube, or Twitter. It's all right there at the website, dipetro.com. And then remember, once you're there, you can also visit the shop. We have great gifts that you can get. It's a happening. All links to the show. Plus, if you ever miss any part of the show, it's all right there under radio show right there. Folks, it all starts by logging on at dipetro.com. And on the left-hand side, you can always listen live. Again, all our links, everything begins and ends right there at the website, dipetro.com. This portion of our program is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln, right off of 146. Delicious food, drink, always a nice crowd. You can either eat in the lounge area, there's normally a game on and a nice group of people there, or you could sit out in the dining room. Don't forget the nice weather, they have the deck open. The Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Delicious food and drinks awaiting for you. I'll see you at the Lodge. <laughs> 